And the high road is not choosing between the good and the bad. Anybody can do that. You can do that without God. But the high road is choosing between the good and the best. And always choosing the best. Welcome back to the Baptist Friends Podcast with Dr. Clarence Sexton, where we gather around truth, friendship, and world evangelism. We're happy to have you with us today. I'm honored that you join us. And we're dealing with the most important subject in the Bible. Think about that. When you make statements like the statement I just made, we should give evidence of that. And so that's what we're trying to do. Let's pray together, may we? Our Father, we thank you for this day, for your mercy and grace, and for the direction we need, we seek thee. For the emphasis, we seek thee. Give us all we need. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're approaching the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the truth of the matter is, there are a lot of things that are being done to always emphasize this vital part of our faith. I've said many times that there is an irreducible body of truth, an irreducible body of truth, meaning you can't take anything else from it that we hold as Christians. And you ought to be able from time to time to rehearse those things. What are, what are those elements? What are those things that are part of your faith or the body of your faith? The object of our faith is Jesus Christ. And the evidence of who he is is what we have to preach about, teach about. I think that when we're approaching Easter and we are talking about the resurrection of Jesus, it does not need to be mixed with the world. And so I'm going to read some things to you. And I, hope, I hope it will help you, encourage you. In the Old Testament, the, the thing that was the watermark or the most important thing to talk about that proved and demonstrated God's power was the Lord dividing the Red Sea and his people being brought through on dry ground. This demonstrated the power of God over all other gods. In the New Testament, the pinnacle, the height of all that we do and believe is fastened to or connected to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is our demonstration, our declaration that all of us need to make. It is the declaration of our power. And I want you to have your Bible open to the book of Romans, 
in Romans chapter 1, I want to say some things. I'm probably going to sound a little bit feisty for staying, but and sometimes in an attempt to get more people or to create interest, uh, people diminish biblical truth. They can't destroy it, but they promote lesser things. For instance, someone in Knoxville is dropping 20,000 Easter eggs from a helicopter uh, to get people to come. I'm just asking you a question, just a simple question. What does that have to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Or one church having six golden Easter egg hunts. I'm just saying to you, what does that have to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Now, the church is to be the pillar and ground of the truth. And of all places, we should find the unadulterated truth of God's word in a church, a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. And of all days, that truth proclaimed should be on what we're doing is celebrating Easter. We actually celebrate Easter every Sunday, every Sunday, because we worship God on the first day of the week, the day of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm saying to you that we have no greater decoration to make. There is no decoration of God's power any greater than the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe that he was born of a virgin, that God became a man without ceasing to be God. Incarnation means robed in flesh. It is a word meaning robed in flesh. He was robed in flesh. And he came in a body on earth to bleed and die for our sins. When he was born of a virgin, he lived a sinless life. He owed no sin debt. There was no debt he was to pay because he owed no debt. Henceforth, he could pay for our debt. The Bible declares that he became sin for us. He who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so, the resurrected Christ is our greatest message. It is the greatest attraction that we have. I, I wrote in the little email to you, uh, listen and learn. Know what you're going to be telling God's people. I never thought I would see the day when the, our message has been so diminished by so many. We have access to what every human being needs. And we need to pray for a divine awakening in the preaching and practicing of the resurrection of Jesus. We're to live in his resurrected power. And so that's what God tells us in his word. Now, I'm going to begin somewhere, but I'd like, to, I'd like you to make note of verses of Scripture. And I wish you'd pray for me. 
and while I'm speaking. Because this is the battleground. This is, this is our message. If this is, not, if this is not our message, we really have nothing to say. The world needs to know that there's life after death. Well, can you give evidence of it? And the evidence is that he lived and he died and he was buried and he rose from the dead. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. Now, I want you to notice that separated under the gospel of God. C.I. Schofield said, until we had a separating experience, God would not use us like he wanted to use us. A separating experience. And that separating experience is not from the world. It is to the Lord. It's an abandonment. You're abandoned to God. You don't try to add anything else to it. You don't try to add it anything else to him he is all you have he's all you need his message when you can tell people that jesus christ died and rose again and you're abandoned to him you're separated to him you're separated to the gospel of god what is the gospel of god the gospel is the message god promised in genesis chapter 3 verse 15 the message of the gospel is the good news message. And it's not good news at all if it's not the gospel. It's good news because he lives. The Bible goes on to say in Romans chapter 1, verse 2, which he had promised afore by his prophets, in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. And notice verse 4, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. That is the heart and soul of our message what you're doing not only are you dealing with the resurrection of jesus christ especially on the easter sunday but you're giving the people who are hearing you the only message of hope there is in the whole world i remember reading about the meeting of religions of the world and they said in their concluding remarks, if Christians would give up two things, just two things, they could be a part of the world community of religions. But two things had to be given up. One was the virgin birth of Christ. And the other was the bodily resurrection of Christ. What they want you to do is give up this miraculous element. You have a message no one else on the face of God's earth has. You're talking to people about a hope they cannot get anywhere else. You are actually giving the cornerstone and the foundation as the pillar 
and ground of the truth that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's some things I want you to notice in Romans chapter 1. Make note of them. He talks about our separation under the gospel. Then the Holy Scriptures in verse 2. His Son, Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God, co-equal, co-existent, eternally existent with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And when we make these statements about Christ and the Bible, we need to make the finishing statements as much as we possibly can, reinforcing to people what they need to hear and know because they need to repeat it to other people. I've said for years, and I say it again to you, that we do not preach to be heard. A very foolish person preaches just to be heard. We preach to be repeated, and we give people the truth in such a manner that it can be repeated, and then we say it again and again and again. And then he says, I declare to be the Son of God with power. How did he declare to be the Son of God with power? Because he did what he said he would do. He said he would rise. He declared to be the Son of God with power. And, and how did he do this? He declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Think about that the resurrection from the dead. Let me take you to the last book of the Bible for a moment. I want you to turn to the book of Revelation. And this is what Christ says of himself. In the revelation of Jesus Christ, Revelation chapter 1, remember, this is not the revelation of John, or John the Divine is the title of your Bible, might say. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is the unveiling of Christ. He unveils himself. He reveals himself. He opens himself up to us. And he says of himself in Revelation, the title of the book is given in verse 1 of chapter 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Now, when you come to the 18th verse, I want you to get it. Christ declares of himself in verse 18, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of death, of hell and of death. Now, once you come to this conviction, not just as a, an expression that you read from the Bible, but once you come to this conviction as a Christian, and you're saying as a Christian that you are saturated with the resurrection of Jesus, you're living in the power of of his resurrection, you understand that there is no power on earth like the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Nothing, nothing. Think about that. When Paul 
talked about knowing Jesus and knowing Jesus and living the Christian life. And uh, in the book of Philippians, he dealt with this and he said that he might know him. Think about it. That I might know him. And in Philippians uh, chapter 3 and verse 10, notice the wording God uses. That I might know him. Well, he'd already known him. He'd been a Christian for decades. But he said, I might know him and the power of his resurrection. You want to make a difference in your ministry, and your life? Live in the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection. We talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. We talk about the power of the word of God. But here God talks about the power of his resurrection. And he says, I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. A lifetime is spent just meditating on that. I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Think about it. I've had funeral after funeral in recent days. My wife's brother went to be with the Lord. Wife's cousins, two of them went to be with the Lord. A third one died. Unusual. I have a funeral today as soon as I finish the shepherd summit one of our dearest, sweetest Christian women. Now listen to what I'm saying to you. If I am not totally, totally submerged, entrenched, consumed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I have nothing to say. Nothing to say. I might sound nice. I might... Say, I'm praying for you. I might say, I'm here to comfort you. But it's because I know that he died and rose from the dead that I have hope and this resurrected power I can share with other people. That's what you're mounting the pulpit with. That's what you're living your life with. Let's imagine you and your dear wife are going through some trial. My son and his wife are dealing with the dying of their mother-in-law, my wife's, my, his wife's mother. She has cancer. We're praying for Susan. She's still on this side, but she's very close to passing over. What comfort can you give those people? You can't tell them that she can be healed from cancer? What comfort can you give? What comfort can my son give his wife? Only the comfort of the resurrection. In other words, this is not something that you do once a year to talk about the resurrection of Jesus. Listen to me. This is something you live every day of your life in the resurrected power of the Son of God. 
when you know that he rose from the dead, you know that with God, nothing, nothing is impossible. Think about that. Think what it does to your prayer life to know that you're praying to him that ever lived to make intercession for you. Think about what it does with your approach to God when you're speaking to the Lord. And he is the only living one. He gave, gave evidence and gives evidence on a daily basis that he's alive forevermore. I want us to read just a little bit from what Paul wrote the church in Corinth. And I want you to have your Bible open, if you would, in the New Testament to the book. We'll begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you have your Bible open there. This is the pivotal thing for all we preach. It is the heart and soul of the gospel. Without this, there is no gospel. I'd like for you to listen, please. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. Very important that we're standing in this. By which also you're saved. That's how we were saved. There's no other way to be saved. There's no other message of salvation. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, you say, I've read that. I believe it. I've talked to people about that. Are you living it? He gives evidence here. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of about, about 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain under this present, but some are falling asleep. So above 500, that's 250, uh, above 500 at once seen of above 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part at least 250 of remain under this present some have fallen asleep after that he was seen of James then of all the apostles and last of all he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles that are not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. 
He goes on with his testimony. I want you to pick up the reading for me in just a minute. It says in verse 12, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. In other words, you can pack it all up. You can shut the door. Excuse me. You can throw your Bible away. You can stop kidding yourselves. You have nothing to say if Christ be not risen from the dead. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we have found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. What do, you, what do you have to say to people at the cemetery? What do you have to pay, say to people in sickness? Where, where is your hope anchored? Verse 16 says, For if, if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. And you are yet in your sins. Then they also, which are fallen asleep in Christ, are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. I want you to meditate upon that. That's all you have. This, this life. It's all. Thank God you come to verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. And God goes on to explain this to us. And then we get, we get to, I want you to look at verse 26. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Now, I want you to write these verses down, please. I want you to write these verses down. Right after that verse, I want you to write these verses down in the book of Hebrews. And I want you to get this. I want you to hear what God says in the book of Hebrews. The last enemy to be conquered is death. When we come to the book of Hebrews, 
and I want you to look in your Bible at Hebrews chapter 2. And verse 9 says, but we see Jesus that was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. And then I want you to read down what Bible says. The Bible says in verse 12, saying, I will declare thy name unto the bread, my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. And then we come to verse 14. Notice it carefully. The only way Christ could defeat our last enemy was to face our last enemy. He defeated death by his own death. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. There was no other way to do it. That is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. God said, all of your life, you live with this fear. All of your life, the human race lives under this dominating fear of death. Someday I'm going to die. Someday I'm going to stop breathing. Someday it's over. All the days are finished. Someday. But God says, Jesus took care of that. He went right into the clutches of death, face to face with death. He died. He died. He cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou separated me? He was separated. And he died. It was the only way to take care of my death and your death to prove through death that he was victorious over death, hell of the grave. This is the wonderful, glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, back please, I want you to turn back with me and listen to what God, God says. And the assurance, the assurance, because you can preach with certainty. You never had such certainty without this message. And God will help you and enable you. I want you to know what the Lord says. He says in 
in the book of Second Corinthians. Look at it. This is what you're standing in the pulpit and preaching. In chapter 5, verse 1. For we know. Can you think for a minute? You are God-called preacher. And as a God-called preacher, you can stand in the presence of God and say with assurance and clarity and certainty because of the resurrection of Jesus. For we know that if our earthly house or this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. You can't know that without the resurrection of Jesus. You can't speak with that certainty without the resurrection of Jesus. I'm saying to you, when you mount the pulpit, especially on Easter Sunday, when you mount the pulpit, there ought to be an absolute certainty in your in your in your mind and in your heart and in your and the sound of your voice. I know and we know for we know that if our earthly house or this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, and oh how we groan. We groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. I've had nine reconstructive spine surgeries, and every one of them, they told me, you may die during this. The last surgery I had, I did die. They said to my dear wife, he's gone. He's gone. They rushed me out of the room into another room and gave me a shot of epinephrine in my arm. Then they screamed to my wife, he's back. But when those doctors tell you those things, and you're going to face this. God gives you the assurance that you're safe in the arms of Jesus. You're telling people this. You're the only man in the world. You're the only man who's, who, gets, who has the divine vocation you have in the whole world to give people this kind of assurance. Hallelujah! You need to rejoice in it. Lift yourself up in the arms of Jesus and say, what a message I have. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we should be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. You think you're dying? You're not dying, you're living. The greatest life you're going to ever have, the mortality is going to be swallowed up of life. It'll be the most life you ever have. Now, he that hath wrought us for the self-same thing is God, who also hath given us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident 
knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Think about that. And you have the God-given opportunity to tell people about that. We live in a hopeless world. And you're the man, you're the person that can help people like no one else can help people because you're anchored in the Word of God and you have God's message and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the resurrected Christ in power living in you to declare his message. Paul, Paul said when he wrote to the church in Philippi, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Think. And then he went on to say, I'm in a strait between two. Having a desire to depart and to be with Christ. Which is far better. I'm saying to you, it's not just for the funeral. It's not just for Easter Sunday. It's for life. It's for all of your family. It's for every attitude. It's for the anchor of your faith. It is to set your hope upon that we have the resurrection of Jesus. It is our declaration of power. And the man who preaches with this is a man who's going to be heard. The man who lives with this is the man the people want to hear. May God help us. And you're that man. You just need to saturate yourself in this. I, I, I've wondered so many times in death, why did God design such a thing? The soul that sinneth it shall die. Why was this tree of life in the garden that the family could not go back to because they would live forever, forever in their sinful condition? Why is it that we can't understand in the wisdom of God, God has designed death as a part of life? Because through the door of death, because of what we believe and know to be true, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's more than we ever imagined in him. Oh, if we could fill our country, fill the mission fields of the world with people who truly believe and live out the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. I thought of so many subjects I wanted to address with you today, but we're approaching this celebration of the Lord's resurrection. Don't cheapen it. Don't make it dirty. Don't fool children with Easter eggs 
and nonsense. You stand tall in the Lord and declare the message that only you can declare that he lives. He lives. And he lives in your heart. Yes, he died. Yes, he was buried. But praise God, he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. I have some questions. And I, I'm reading them. How can we keep the resurrection of Christ, the emphasis during Easter, in our homes and churches? You may have some trouble teaching your people because they've let themselves get so worldly. But don't, don't talk like a raving maniac, but just tell people in clear, simple terms from Scripture why we don't want to confuse people with the most hopeful message on earth by doing something silly on having a chocolate Easter bunny or whatever the thing we talk about the resurrection of Jesus. It's Christians opportunity to do something and say something that no one else can do. No one else. And just keep it the emphasis. When Christ has preeminence in your life, I can't imagine you doing anything else but talking about his resurrection. Now, move everything back to the first century church. Can you imagine those disciples who gave their lives for the Lord, who suffered as they suffered? What motivated them? Because they saw the living Christ. They knew it's true that he died and rose from the dead. Often I say to my wife, there's one little statement Jesus said to his disciples. He said, because I live, you shall live also. In the 14th chapter of John, you'd find that. Read it. And because I live, in other words, it's all on his word. On the authority of God Almighty. He says, you've got my promise. Because I live, you shall live also. People need to hear that, don't they? And they need to know this is the Son of God declaring it. And so when he's the person who's preeminent in your life, you'll emphasize his resurrection. Does your church do anything special on Easter? We try to get families here. We try to get families. We have family photos made of people. And we want, to, we want, to hear, we want them to hear the gospel. We give the opportunity. We try to get people to get their family here to hear the gospel. You make the most of gospel opportunities during the season. I have a little flyer here that our folks have printed that has the gospel on it and the Resurrection Sunday on it. And you've still got time on Wednesday evening. Put 100 or 1,000 of these things or 2,000 or 10,000 of these things in your people's hands and get them to invite people to be here. I, I see this and I'm, I'm heartbroken about it. I'm heartbroken. I see church advertisements and billboards everywhere. Come to our Easter egg hunt. Come to our 
come to our celebration and uh, find the golden egg or whatever the case. And I'm thinking to myself, what, what got people? They sure got away from the Lord. They got away from his word. They got away from the Bible. There must be some people who are holding to truth in this land and around this country and around the world who are going to say, of all days, on this day when we talk about he rose from the dead, the only message I have is the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Get it in your heart. Don't be ashamed. Be ashamed if you don't do it. And God help you. Teach your dear precious people. Everybody's going to the grave. The Lord didn't come soon. It's appointed men wants to die. Some die young, some die old, but all die. And the only hope we have is the hope of the Lord Jesus who died and rose from the dead. And he promised us that we'll be with him in heaven forever if we know him as our Savior. May God help us. Nobody ever had on earth, no one ever lived in any decade, in any century, that had a greater opportunity to do a greater thing than you have and I have to tell people the truth about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Pray for him. Pray for yourself. Pray for us. We'll pray for you. Let's stand true to the Lord and hold it all the way, all the way through. I saw there was a young man joining us today. And um, James L. and I see his new wife. Congratulations, James. And you've got a beautiful wife. And I understand she's a great girl inside and out, beautiful inside and out. I want you to raise your voice and lead us in a closing prayer that will be true to the Lord. Will you please? And my wife, Evelyn, my wife has said to me, we've, we've got to get a hold of James, get to James and his dear wife and get something special for them. And so uh, we're, we're listening. So I think now you're on. And yes, sir. In prayer. Well, introduce your wife to us. Yes, sir. This is my lovely wife, Gabriella, of four weeks now. So, and uh, loving life. Don't be, don't be writing many books on marriage yet. But, uh, <laughs> but I want you to be happy. Be yes, happy. Sir. Gabriella, we, we're happy for you. And we're so happy for James that God put you all together. Uh, and didn't you grow up at Brother Trevor's church? Yes, sir. I did. That's good. That's wonderful. I need to tell Jack, he raised a great young girl. And your daddy and mama faithfully in the church there, right? Yes, sir. That's, that's so good. Well, we love you. James, lead us in prayer and ask God to bless and seal this. I just yes. emphasize one thing today and hammer on the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. It ought to take hold of our lives in such a way that all of it is on the resurrection of Jesus. Yes. Lead us in prayer. Father, we love you and we're grateful for your goodness to us. And we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross and paying for our sins. We ask that you'd help us as we preach the gospel and we share the gospel with the lost world around us. And as we teach people 
uh, your people, the truth of the gospel. I pray that this resurrection, that we wouldn't let it go or think of it lightly, but that we would hold true to it and uh, just thank you for it and praise your name for it. We ask that you'd bless this weekend as uh, coming up as we focus on the resurrection of Christ and think about it and spread the gospel. I pray that you'd bless our efforts and go with us. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And we should tell people before we go that Lake Texoma there, James and uh, Gabriella, y'all are working hard and having the greatest week weeks ever in camp. And uh, right on right on the lake that separates Texas and Oklahoma. Yes, sir. And God's God's blessed us in a mighty way there. We're praying for you, praying the Lord will use you in a special way. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. God bless all of you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Baptist Friends Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. And join us next time as we continue to gather around truth, friendship, and world evangelism.